Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Greg. Hey, everybody. And, yeah, and today we are joined by our friend and our guest, Jimmy English, also known as WatchFiend on Instagram. Jimmy is, aside from being kind of a uh, a local collector and, and well-respected presence on the um, the online community, Jimmy is also a fixture at Feldmar, who's a, a local AD that we all know and love here in Southern California. So full disclosure, Jimmy is here today really kind of uh, as a, a collector and a private dude, but there's just no way around it. Jimmy is an insider, so we just wanted to be upfront with that. Um, Jimmy, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing all right, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. It's our pleasure. And we're, of course, uh, recording this in the midst of uh, March Madness. So I'd be remiss not to to poke a little fun and and, and, and uh, recognize that both UCLA, where Jimmy uh, is an alum, and, and USC are in the Sweet 16 and, uh, you know, fight on. I don't, I don't know about all that fight on business, but, um, you know, we are, you know, we'll see what happens. We We made it to the big dance. And I think I think we've got USC's number. I think uh, we got, <laughs> Ooh. We, we're coming for you guys. Well, this would be the ultimate uh, crosstown rivalry if we can meet each other, you know, deeper into the tournament. So it, it makes it more exciting. That's for sure. Yes, sir. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Either way we win, right? It's been a good, uh, all, you know, COVID troubles aside, the past 12 months or so have been pretty good for LA sports. Oh, absolutely. It's been unreal. I mean, if you look at the Dodgers, the Lakers, and then now, you know, USC or UCLA, I mean, it's looking pretty good for us. Absolutely. Well, dude, this is a watch podcast, so I think we uh, we have to begin with the wrist check. What are you wearing today, Jimmy? Oh, man, I, I, have, um, I have my Rolex Explorer 114270. Um, this is the 36 millimeter, the last 36 millimeter iteration of the Explorer before they moved it to a 39. Um, yeah, I, I have to say this is like, this is my everyday piece. Um, if I could only choose one watch, I think this would be it. So that's what I'm rocking today. Go anywhere, do anything. Yes, sir. Absolutely. To me, it works literally in any setting. and. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, Dom Draper wore this watch in Mad Men, so kind of just adds to the cool factor. Actually, I didn't know that. I've got to get yeah. back into that show. That um, that was something I gave a few episodes and then just went away from, and I think it exploded in popularity. So I got to see what I've missed. I've never yeah. finished it. I, I I was pretty deep in, but I don't think I got through the end, and now I think I'm motivated to to, to finish it out. Oh man, as a period piece, I mean, it's just, it doesn't get better than that show. 
So. Yeah, that and all the cocktails content. So we're going to have to swing back through that, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many scotches you can drink like in an office in an afternoon, but I mean, <laughs> that, that makes up like half of that show. Right. <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah. Matt, what's on your wrist today? Oh, so um, we did not plan this, but I'm wearing the Explorer 2. I've got the uh, the 16570 Polar Dial. And this is, like Jimmy, this is one of my kind of go anywhere, do any anything kind of watches. And it's got a couple Easter eggs. This is one of the Swiss onlys. So it's a, uh, I'm pretty sure this is an A serial, circa 1999. And just, um, it's got the jangly hollow end links. And just, there's really not much that wears like a 39 or 40 millimeter oyster case, you know, on a, uh, on an oyster bracelet. It's just fantastic. I love it. I could not agree more. I mean, that watch, as far as wearability goes, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Things are starting to warm up springtime around here, but, uh, the polar is always appropriate in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. How about you, Greg? What do you have? Well, thinking about who was uh, joining us today, it, it was only appropriate that I put on my uh, Oris Big Crown Pointer Date 80th anniversary, um, which, of course, I think brought all of us together in a much closer way than um, than before. Um, you know, Jimmy and Matt and I have, I think, uh, interfaced at different points in times, have a few also uh, mutual friends who have brought us together, but never really in a, in a real meaningful way. And so... I went over to visit Jimmy and was able to um, come home with this on the wrist, and and it's been spending a lot of time there since. Awesome, man! I'm I'm so happy to hear that. Um, is it developing any sort of uh, patina? It, it, it has developed the patina at such a more rapid pace than I expected, which has been so much fun. I thought it was going to be a little bit of a a delayed uh, gratification there, but um, within weeks, it's been taking on character and it continues to do so. It's just a blast to watch it happen. Nice, man. That is awesome. I feel like bronze and green watches, you know, that combo works so well. And, you know, that combo doesn't get any better than on that particular watch. So glad to hear you're enjoying it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop the presses. Sorry about this, folks. It was at this point that Jimmy started to go off on a little bit of a fun tangent talking about some upcoming stuff with Feldmar. So stay tuned to Feldmar's feed and to Jimmy's feed. But the bottom line is, wasn't really ready for public consumption. So we're just going to do some creative editing, snip that bit out. And in just a second here, we'll be back to your regularly scheduled podcast content. Thanks for sticking with us. Sorry about that. All right, we'll make a note of that right about the seven-minute mark. Anyhow, let's just keep going. So, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to just um, briefly tell the story of how Jimmy and I met. We've known each other um, as as you know actual live people for, what would you say, Jimmy, about three years? Yep, yep. Uh, well, about, I would say, two and a half years or so. Yeah. That might be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I... Um, for those of us, you know, well, almost nobody knows this, but I work in the neighborhood and... Uh, frequently eat across the street from Feldmar. And that's how Jimmy and I met. At one point I was standing in line at this restaurant and this, uh, this young dude was kind of clocking me from the line. And I was like, creeper, what's going on here? (laughs) But but I noticed, I did notice you had a a pretty badass watch on and it looked like you were looking at my watch. And finally he comes over to me, Greg, and Jimmy's like, are you Matt? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, I am. Do I know you? <laughs> so, and 
It's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I hang out at the shop all the time. It's that funny thing how like we all know each other by our Instagram handles and the watches we wear, you know? So I think I noticed, might've been the polar that you were wearing. I'm like, huh? Yeah, I know that watch. Uh, (laughs) And I kind of saw you scoping out my watch too, which is, um, I think you had your Batman. So no, no. The watch that I was wearing that day was, um, I have a Mr. Peanut Jump Hour watch, which I think <laughs> I know that it, one. I <laughs> do remember that now. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I yeah. have seen that, and yeah. that was the watch you were wearing. Yeah, yep, definitely. It, it's um, it's just such a funny sort of cool watch to have. Um, so yeah, you you mentioned that piece, and um, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Jumping hours—that's a complication. It's like, yeah, hey, and an un- underappreciated complication at that. I mean. Yeah. This this Mr. Peanut watch, I got it on eBay, I think for like $25, but I mean it has a Swiss made mechanical movement. It's not a I mean it's not an upscale movement. Um but I think I think the jump hour complication and just kind of that 70s aesthetic that goes along with it is something that I would love to see kind of a rebirth of. So yeah, but I'm that's kind of like my quirky, fun sort of watch to wear. That watch reminds me that, you know, at the end of the day, this hobby is just supposed to be fun. So uh, that's, that's a like great that reminder. One. I think yeah. you're 100% right about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, hey, we're going to, we have some questions for you. Um, but before we do that, we're going to change it up a little bit. When we had Michael Heyman on, we asked him some of these questions at the end, but maybe we'll, we'll do these rapid fires at the beginning just as sort of a warm up. Yeah. So I'm going to just, um, I'll give you either just a quick this or that, or maybe a uh, a quick uh, pressy and then a question, and you just fire off whatever is uh, the answer like at the tip of your tongue. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Classic tool watches: Speedmaster or Submariner? Jeez, <laughs> come out, come out swinging, coming out firing, man. Oh, dude, that is a that is so tough. Um, hmm. I have to go sub. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. I got confess that surprises me a little. I thought you'd say Speedmaster. Hmm. All righty. Well, it depends when you ask me. I mean, if you ask me tomorrow, I might be Speedmaster. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? That's right. <laughs> Today I'm going sub. And and by the way, the sub I'm going for is the five five one three transitional. Mm. Yeah. Heavy hitter. Yep. Hey, why not? Swing for the fences, dude. That's right. That's a gorilla mine. All right. Well, next one, Hodinky or Fratello? Hodinky. Right on. Okay. <laughs> You're this like, is eh, right on. No, no, no. <laughs> I I I absolutely like both. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love both as well, but Hodinky is to me kind of just revolutionized the entire landscape of watch media if I mean you know, now they're watch retail and watch media, but yeah, big, yeah, big firmly, respect for that company. Yeah. Firmly cemented themselves right in the middle of everything. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. So much so that I'm probably going to buy insurance from them. Okay. Next one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Seiko dial or grand Seiko dial? Grand Seiko dial. Right on. That's some inside baseball question right there. Good job. Yep. <laughs> Spring drive or high beat? spring drive Mm -hmm. sweet all right last one this is not a this or that best brand that not enough of us are talking about right now 
I'm going to, I'll throw a curveball. I'll say Anardane. Ah, nice. Yeah, I really, really like what Anardane is doing right now. They're doing, well, they're doing their own thing, you know. They have the beauty in an Anardane is obviously in their enamel dials for which they've kind of developed their own formula for their fume. Um, Really, it's not derivative of any other aesthetic. They created their own typeface. Um, So I think... I think what they're doing is awesome. I love that one. I, uh, I've been really on a kick on colorful dials lately. And uh, of course they, they, uh, have a lot to offer there. And so I've been really keeping a close eye and I agree with you. They're really fantastic. Yeah. And when you, um, when you buy a watch from them, you're able to customize the case back. Um, I've heard they even do custom dials and Mm -hmm. totally what you said as well. Like, there are some really interesting dials from brands like Glass Shoot Original, and um, they tend to be pretty pricey. But, like for example, that '60s orange that they did, um, it was pretty up there in price. And for me, if I want to get a loud color on a dial, to me, it's a little bit more digestible to go for something at a lower price point. And so I, I, yeah. I think you're right about that. No, I think you're, you're definitely right about the dial customization too. We have a mutual friend and, uh, on a trip back from Scotland, I believe came home with one that has the, uh, the Duke of Wellington with the traffic cone, uh, on his head. I think that traffic cone is on his dial as a customization, which is pretty cool. Nice, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and those have got to be about a thousand times more approachable, uh, literally and figuratively, than the colorful OPs. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the OPs, but like you said, I mean, the prices for those are just approaching unbelievable numbers. So, <laughs> oh, I don't know if they if they got this, but I want to say I saw a uh, you know the light blue quote unquote Tiffany dial. Um, for sale on a, you know, on an aftermarket site for like 13,000. <laughs> it's not unreal. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just comical. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny because the OP is supposed to be Rolex's entry level watch. I mean, of course it's a fantastic watch. I mean, it's really well built and everything, but now that watch has evolved into like the new flex piece, you know, <laughs> that yeah. people are getting and, you know, posting on Instagram and it's kind of that watch a niche crowd. At least my perception is that they've kind of embraced that watch and it's, it's the new cool thing to have, which I find is interesting. I've heard a few folks talking about this recently where, you know, Rolex has begun to, um, close the entry points for folks. And I think this feels like the closing of an entry point for a lot of folks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'll be right back. I just have to step aside for one second. I'm sorry. All right, Jimmy, we're back here. So thanks for uh, kind of hitting all those warm up questions. The first real sort of question I have for you is this, you know, I tend to think of you as being, you know, a guy at one of my favorite ADs, maybe my favorite AD, let's be honest. But, you know, you, I'm sure have been interested in watches before this. What is your journey like? Where did it start? And how did you get put on the watch path? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just from an early age, um, I had a pension. I I really, I enjoy things, you know, like, um, (laughs) gadgets and, and just, you know, I, I think the first step in my watch journey 
um, was when I saw the movie Hook as a young kid, I must have been around six years old. Um, Robin Williams had this awesome pocket watch that I just, I mean, it, it's such a small detail in that movie, but I, I became, like, I became obsessed with um, that watch. And then, you know, I started to seek out pocket watches. And um, I think I started to gain an appreciation for just a, a really well-designed watch face, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I accumulated a couple of cool little pocket watches, one that was owned by my great grandmother. And then, um, I had a Mickey mouse pocket watch that I still have today. Um, and then as time went on, I, I also started to pay a bit closer attention to wristwatches. Um, in particular, my father his his prized possession was this Rolex watch. Um, and he would explain to me how it didn't run on a battery and that, you know, it was his body's motion that powered the watch, um, which intrigued me. Um, and I just kind of took a greater interest in wristwatches. And that led to me getting my first ever watch, which was a baby G. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was kind of like the ultimate flex when it first came out. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was. That's right. Now, I remember them. Yeah, like the those LA Lights shoes. It was kind of in the same era. Uh, when baby, <laughs> like Baby G just had this huge boom. Um, it, it had this clear case and, and like kind of a leather NATO strap. And I, I actually still have that watch today. Um, so I got that when I was maybe eight. Um, and then probably around 15, um, I got uh, my first mechanical watch which was Seiko SNK, which I got for like 25 bucks. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as time went on, I got started to kind of obsess about Rolex watches and, um, you know, I went down the Rolex rabbit hole with all its different details. And um, I'm still kind of dwelling in that to a certain extent. Um, yeah. And then I think a big kind of, turning point for me was uh in late 2018 i started my instagram page you know just to kind of share pictures of the watches and you know call it watch fiend because i have kind of this obsessive collecting style um and starting the page was awesome because it, it allowed me to just engage with the community online you know like i didn't realize that there were just so many like-minded people who were into this stuff. You know, I, I hadn't really met anyone who appreciated watches the way that I did, you know? And then when you go on Instagram or forums, I mean, it's just, it's really cool to engage with people. Um, and it's, it's just such a, a closely knit community. So, um, yeah, I, I really love that part of it. And that led me... I was kind of at a, at a crossroads in my career and I was talking to a friend of mine, a really close friend of mine, and we were discussing like what my next step should be. And he asked me like, what do you really love? Like money aside, um, what do you love? And I, I told him watches. Um, and he said, well, you know, I, I know this, this guy, um, 
who coincidentally, his name is also Jimmy and he worked at Feldmar watch for, you know, more than 30 years. So I called the other Jimmy up the, I mean, at work, they call him the first Jimmy and I'm Jimmy 2.0. But anyway, <laughs> I, right I, call, I called Jimmy. We discussed Feldmar. I, you know, was already a huge fan of Feldmar. I bought watches there and everything. And, um, I ended up applying, you know, <laughs> it was just kind of something that it's weird. Like, I feel like the universe brought it to fruition and, um, yeah, I mean, that was about two and a half years ago. I love that. It's uh, it's such a, a conversation that I think so many people could relate to, right? Where you have this, this moment where you can pivot and you ask yourself, what do I really love? And to then act upon it is just a really a great blessing. But also, like you said, it felt like maybe the universe was just aligning. Totally, totally. And I mean, everything just kind of felt right. You know, I was at a juncture in my life where um, it just felt like the right thing to do. And, um, you know, I'm really glad that I did it. I mean, my time at Feldmarsh has been absolutely amazing. I can imagine how many people there are just sort of in the in the watch fam and you can't see me, but I'm doing the, uh, you know, the inverted commas, the air quotes here, but who would be so jealous of that right now? That story, you know, how many people who kind of come to the watch hobby, maybe a little bit later in life and are like, Oh man, if I could press the rewind button on my life and, and go back and get into the, uh, into this more seriously or in the industry anyway, but good for you, man. That's, that's very cool. I'm so lucky. Like, I, I know what you mean. And, and people have reached out like, man, how do I get into the business? And what, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm lucky to be where I'm at. And don't get me wrong. I mean, we don't just sit around all day and smoke cigars and, you know. <laughs> oh, the image is ruined. Exactly. But um, yeah, um, Feldmar has been absolutely amazing. So you know, you mentioned your page, which is really, it's truly fantastic. And if anybody listening to this has not, gone to Jimmy's page at watch fiend, do it now. If, unless you're driving, uh, follow along. Cause it's, 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 there's a, just a beautiful collection. I think of obviously photography, great pieces, funny watch puns, you know, the strap game is through the roof. It's just a lot of fun to follow along, um, with Jimmy, but I've noticed a, a real noticeable and, and appreciated and excellent grants ego presence, um, on your account now for some time. And I'd just, uh, it'd be really fun to hear what your Grant Seiko origin story is. Um, how do you feel about what they're doing now and, and what their current position in the, in the watch community is? Oh man. I mean, Grant Seiko is just amazing. I think we can, at least us three, we can all agree on that. Um, I always admired what they do and, you know, their watches and their story. I had admired them from afar, but I think working at Feldmar and, you know, being able to handle their watches in person and, and learning a bit more about the history of the brand, uh, just, it gave me a whole new appreciation for what they do. Um, you know, and then my origin story, I mean, I think it starts with the SBGM 221, which, I mean, when I saw that in person at the store, I knew that I had to have it. It spoke to me because 
it has this aesthetic footprint of like, I mean, like a classical romantic kind of dress watch with the cream dial, you know, and, and those the detail of the GMT indices on the dial. Uh, but then you throw Grand Seiko's signature faceted markers and Zeratsu finishing. I mean, it takes kind of that classic dress watch look and then it takes it to the next level and makes it more visually dynamic. Um, and it, it's a watch that just never gets old to me. But I, I mean, I could talk about that watch for like hours and hours. Um, <laughs> it's, as far as the whole collection goes, um, I, I believe that Grand Seiko's watches kind of speak for themselves. They're not really, I, I think they defy categorization to a certain extent. Like to me, they're not dress watches. They're not sport watches. They're Grand Seikos. Mm. Um, you know, like they just, they're their own thing. And, and, um, and I think as, as most watch geeks are learning, I think Grand Seiko offers outstanding finishing, especially for the price point. I mean, their attention to detail is next level. They're extremely, they're, they're innovative. They're always pushing the envelope and their designs are unique. I mean, maybe with a, a couple of exceptions, they're not really derivative of anything else. So stay tuned, folks. We're already scheduling uh, part two of this conversation where we dive strictly into Grand Seiko. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think I would be too. We'd probably have to get Hor- uh, Chase, yeah. our friend Chase, Horology four one one on as well. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think to me, Grand Seiko, like it appeals to the watch collecting community like the geeks like us, you know, mm-hmm. like, of course the word Seiko, I mean, maybe historically has carried somewhat of a different connotation, but, but because of the community and because I, in my opinion, the community is growing, like it, that label is starting to peel off, you know, and, and grand Seiko is becoming more of like, a mainstream luxury watch brand. And I, I just love that for them. Do you appreciate Jimmy, the, um, the separation now of the two, does that mean anything to you? Is that important for their, for their growth as a brand? Or is that sort of just, uh, um, you know, a minor detail to you? As far as the separation between Grand Seiko and Seiko? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it absolutely makes sense. Um, you know, Grand Seiko, the premise of Grand Seiko is in certain ways very different than that of Seiko, you know, and that's not to say that Seiko doesn't release amazing watches too. It's just, I I love having them separated. Um, I think, you know, the design language is a little bit different. Um, Grand Seiko is just, you know, at a higher sort of echelon, which makes sense to me. Another thing I, I immediately associate when I think of you in particular is just really stellar photography. And I'm curious, you know, how you got into that, how you've developed that, um, that hobby, that passion of yours, and what aspect of photography that you enjoy the most. Thank you for saying that, man. I mean, 
I, I really don't think of myself as like a professional photographer. Um, I think when, when I first started the Instagram account, I was taking pictures of my watches with my iPhone and, um, like as both of you guys know, part of the fun of being on Instagram is just experimenting and being creative with your pictures. And, you know, um, when I started to take more pride in my pictures, um, you know, I just, I decided to get my old DSLR out and that's when I really started to have more fun, you know, and, and I learned that photography and watch collecting go together. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're very symbiotic, like, my love for the watches and, and, you know, engaging with the community and just geeking out kind of spurred me to take up watch photography. And then when you, when you're spending a lot of time taking and editing pictures of watches, you gain a whole new appreciation for all the small details, you know? So yeah, I really think that the two hobbies go together. That's a great point. They're circular in some ways and kind of supporting each other and, and kind of uh, fueling that passion for each other in some ways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think um, we kind of, people on the Instagram watch, like in that world, um, we kind of spur people, spur each other on, you know, like that's part of the fun is, is engaging in the photography and, um, you know, taking pictures of watches is it's pretty challenging at least in my opinion it's i had originally thought that it was easier but um there are just there are a lot of reflective surfaces and um framing the light correctly can be kind of a challenge so um i think watches have pushed me to just kind of become a better photographer and, and use different diy techniques and um you know, just different ways to get better results. That's going to make a lot of us feel better because you make it look really easy. And the fact that you still have to work at it gives yeah. us the rest of us hope. So that's yeah. uh thank you for uh, pulling back the veil there a little bit. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, really. I, I just like, it sounds so obvious, but I just, it's such a trial and error thing. Like <laughs> you just, you keep taking pictures and some stuff works and some, some stuff doesn't, but, um, yeah, I think the Grand Seiko stuff in particular um, is very challenging to to shoot because the the polishing that they use is so bright and it it catches everything. And so when I got that Grand Seiko, I think that's what really pushed me to to kind of ratchet up my my photography game. You know, there's like some growing pains there, but um, yeah, now I kind of have my system down and. I'm, you know, just having fun with it. Yeah, I can attest. I know um, at least one time going into the store, I'd see Jimmy with like the white lab coat and I'm thinking, oh, you know, is, <laughs> is Jimmy's doing something in the, um, you know, in the, the repair kind of section of the shop. And, you know, there's a, Greg, I don't know if you saw this, but there is, you know, a full, you know, on, on site. Well, how many benches do you have in there, Jimmy? Is like three or four. At least, see. right? Um, so we got two. All together, it's nine. Mm. Okay, so yeah, the bottom line though is it's a it's a good size kind of service and repair um, 
you know, operation that is running all the time. And I just assumed you were in there doing some work or, you know, learning something or whatever. And Jimmy's like, no, I'm shooting. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. White, yeah. The, what, the old white shirt, white coat trick. Yeah, exactly. I think that was a, a trial and error thing where I, I kept, kept trying to use white poster boards and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to deck myself out in like a fully white suit. Um, cause yeah, that's what it's about. It's like finding ways to, um, make steel in particular, just reflect back like white or gradients of gray, you know? Yeah, Lord knows I I have enough of a hard time with it, so I appreciate your your feed for that. And frankly, a lot of people who have you, you see the arc of the progression of their photography skills. Totally. There's I could I could probably drop a dozen names right now, but you're you're certainly kind of top of that list. Yeah, oh, that's thanks, great. Man. Yeah, if you look at when I first started, like I think it was just, it was just a picture of my dog in my watch, like just a grainy picture taken on my iPhone. So. Is that still your avatar? I, I I feel like I've seen it before, perhaps recently. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, you know, I notice. obviously, I think I'm, I'm noticing a, a thread here, too, that I think Grant Seiko continues to support a lot of the things that you love. But your your strap game is, let's talk about that. It's top notch. It is extensive. And partly, I'm guessing, because, you know, Grant Seiko's, especially the, the ones that you have, really play well to strap changes. But what about what about a great strap really hits home for you? And, you know, at the end of the day, is it a bracelet or a strap if you had to make a choice? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like kind of like everyone says, I, I stand by the idea that a strap change can completely change the appearance of a watch like. It really gives it a fresh look. And, and for someone like me, I'm always thinking like, oh, what's the next thing? You know, what's the next watch going to be? I think just changing the strap has helped me be more at home with <laughs> like what my collection is. Um, but yeah, the, you know, when you're ordering online, straps can be a game of kind of trial and error. And um, I ordered a few straps that just didn't really work in person. Um, but when I discovered, um, Delug's straps, those are nice. Yeah. I mean, that kind of took, that took my appreciation for straps to the next level. Um, they have, they have a ton of options and then they have this strap finder tool that allows you to like see what strap would look good on a particular watch. Oh, I haven't used Um, that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's killer, man. And um, I think it saved me from purchasing a few straps that, you know, might not have worked out. So, yeah, that's been a game changer. Um, as far as, like, a great strap, like what I think a great strap is, um, this is just my perception. But, like, for me, there, there's a ceiling on how much a strap should cost. Like, I I just can't ever see myself paying more than like $200 for a strap. Um, you know, of course there are people who disagree with me, but, um, I need my money for watches, you know, <laughs> like, Agreed. I think you can get a quality strap, like even a, a quality exotic strap for under $150. No problem. 
Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, obviously the details matter when it comes to the strap. And, um, I think the sweet spot for me is like finding something under a hundred dollars ish around there. Um, and I, I think the logs, oh, there's a pupper. There's a pupper, Daniel. Is, uh, is, is, is one of you barking? Wanting to be fed. No, oh, it's that- not on my end. <laughs> I hear it though. That's all right. That's our first listener. Nice. Is that your dog, Greg? Yeah, we've got uh, we've got two dogs. They probably weigh a combined thirty pounds, but they uh, for some reason they think they're about three times that size. Sounds like it, man. He's got a quite a voice box there. I got I got Reggie sitting with me right here. He's just chilling. But yeah. Um, okay. Sorry to go off track there. Um, That's all right. Yeah. So for me, it's the the price. Like you can get such great straps for under $150. Um, and yeah, as far as which, which one I prefer more like strap strap versus bracelet. Is that the question or? Yeah. If you really had to make a call at the end of the day. Hmm. Um, at the end of the day, I, you know, I think it depends on the watch and I know that's a total cop out, but, um, yeah, I think like if we're talking about a stainless steel sports Rolex, I'm sticking with the Oyster bracelet or, or the Jubilee. But, you know, if, if we're talking about like a Grand Seiko or, you know, more classical looking watch, um, I think I would go for a strap. I and think that's fair. I won't call you a fence sitter. I think that's an appropriate answer. Okay. <laughs> So another yeah. um, underrated aspect, I feel like, of of your counter are your watch puns, and um, I, I always laugh when I see them. And I even went back and started reading a few that you know just to kind of familiarize <laughs> myself with them. And I think it's just a really underrated part of what you do. And I'm wondering how that started. You know, what kind of fun that brings to you, and uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about it. Um. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate that. I think, you know, my puns are perhaps so bad that they're good <laughs> and, and I can wear that. Um, I think, I think I just like to have fun with this stuff, you know, like luxury items can sometimes have kind of a, a stuffy air around them. Um, you know, like I don't think this is generally true on Instagram, but, you know, lots of people talk about luxury watches and and seem to perceive them like they're maybe exclusive items or maybe a measure of success and wealth. And and that's just not kind of where I come from, you know, like (laughs) I don't perceive watches in that way and I don't enjoy watches for for that reason. Um, So the pun thing, it it just started... um, as like a way to have fun, you know? And I think I I just started it with like way back in the day with, with some pun about like I had my watch on a cactus and I was like, huh, maybe it'd be cool if I had like a a pun about something about looking sharp. And um, yeah, it just kind of took off from there and we we started a hashtag for it. Um, But yeah, yeah. Follow um, watch hashtag watch pun day. And, um, yeah, you can uh, stay up to date on all our 
awesome, terrible puns. Does anybody uh-huh. help you with those or do you come up with all of those yourself? Um, I come up with all the puns and then, well, actually some of the, the people over at Feldmark, sometimes we kind of gang up together and, and like talk about what a good pun would be. Um, like Jamie and, and Tom over there are really good. And then um, as far as other people on Instagram, there's, there's a bunch of like fellow punsters now. Um, we have um, waitlisted man. He's, he's good with the puns. And then um, there's Ian Cognito as well. Yeah. Waitlisted is a good follow. Oh man. He's, he's amazing. And, and if you want to see someone whose photography is just, I mean, his stuff is, he didn't even do photography. He was just like me. And then he got on Instagram for, for watches and now he's doing like editorial quality stuff. So yeah, definitely follow him. It's an incredible progression. I love, I love how you have all really leaned into, you know, the puns, whether it's uh, the, 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 the hashtag itself being a pun versus, you know, having a fellow punsters. I mean, that is, it's meta. I love it. (laughs) Thanks man. Yep. Yep. Um, we, we live by the pun. (laughs) <laughs> you know uh, one of the last things i was going to ask you and i know matt probably had a few um questions too was i was curious and you've touched on it a little bit in, in your journey but what's it like to be a marketing director in the watch world um what does that mean to you what is it like and and um you know tell us a little bit about it well i mean it's a relatively new undertaking for me. You know, I think most of my experience thus far is in social media. Um, and I think having been a social media director in the watch world now for a year and a half or so, um, it's just been so much fun. Like it's, it's so much fun. Um, and I think it's fun partly because I'm just, I'm working at Feldmar. I mean, we have a great environment there. We have amazing staff. Uh, we really are like a family there. And then of course, I mean, we have more than 60 brands. And when you have that many brands that are releasing new product, um, there's really never a shortage of things to showcase or, or talk about. And, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, I mean, I just feel so lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Um, I truly love the product and I, and I love the community. Um, so yeah, I mean, being a a marketing director and watches, I think it's just, it's a ton of fun, you know? Now I know you, you've done a few things like the collector spotlight, um, and I know a few of the folks that you've uh, that you've interviewed for that. What what does something like that do to bring the watch family, the watch community together? And, and do you see any other opportunities or avenues for something like that? Um. Yeah. I, you know, I think the collector spotlight, um, kind of similar to what we're doing now. It's 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 a uh, it's a way to showcase a particular collector. Um, particularly a customer of Feldmars, um, by zeroing in on what makes them tick as a collector. Anyone? No? Um. <laughs> Got it. You know, that, that took a second. 
that went in one ear, rattled around in my head, and like, okay, I ah, I see what you did there. We might be punsters now. We might be punsters. I think we've been fully indoctrinated and and we're yep. in now. I'll I'll make punsters out of you guys in no time. Um, yeah, but I think I think watch collecting is a hobby that not many like dare I say normal people necessarily fully understand you know but if you get it you get it you know i like to call them civilians yeah (laughs) muggles or no that wouldn't work but anyway i yeah i mean like if you if you get it like in our case we really get it um and so but we all we all have different versions of the ism that is watch collecting and so you know the choices as watch collectors that we make and, and the reasons behind them are extremely personal to us. And I think, you know, delving in and, and taking a deep dive into like the why of each collector is, is a really fun exercise, you know, and it, it brings us closer together and, um, it, you know, just allows us to kind of get to know each other more. So for for Feldmar, I just kind of inter- interview folks from all, all over the country and even the world, and I think I I like to think that it grows kind of the Feldmar family from a, a Los Angeles a Los Angeles based family to more of like a worldwide family. I love it. It also just gives a voice to folks who are typically. Um, you know, maybe not having a voice per se in, in that way. And so it just, uh, it really brings people together. It feels like it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Totally. Yeah. Much appreciated, man. Right on. Well, Greg, how, uh, how are we doing in terms of the questions for Jimmy? Those, that's, uh, those, that's really what I wanted to, to, to learn from Jimmy. I know you had a few ideas, um, and things that you wanted to touch on. Well, you know, Jimmy's been a super good sport. We did have a little bit of technical issues at the beginning of this, and um, so we're kind of going with a plan B for recording, but we are pushing for time. So, Jimmy, I'm just going to pare this down to one last question, and mm-hmm. it just kind of breaks down like this. As a collector, what are you pining for right now? Are there any grails or even not, if not grails, just anything realistically that you've got your sights set on for the next, you know, three, six months, maybe a year? Oh, man. Um I I think the next thing that I I'm, I'm really pining for is the Black Bay 58 in blue. Um I'm I'm just a huge fan of the no date sub design. Um as I mentioned earlier, I mean the sub is arguably my favorite watch design ever. Um but given the pricing for submariners and just what's happening right now. Um, I just, I think it's getting to the point where, um, it's more in the realm of like art, you know, like I can't see myself buying a, a submariner knowing full well that like three years ago they were at least much less expensive than they are now. Um, but I also believe that the Black Bay 58 is just, it's a fantastic watch, you know, like I have trouble believing that anything else offers quite as much as that, as that watch does for the money, um, at least from my perspective. So 
I'm I'm gunning for the Black Bay 58 Blue. Man, that's a good answer. You know, I I have the original. I don't know what you'd call it the the OG. You know, black and gilt yeah. variation on that watch, and it's every good every bit as good as you kind of are hinting at. Um, I love that watch, and it could very easily be a one watch. I think for a lot of people, absolutely, yeah. And and as you mentioned, one watch during your question, I thought like, huh, what do I want? Like <laughs> the great dream of my kind of watch collecting journey is like, I always think, man, I just don't, I I just want one more watch, you know, I don't want to have to think about the next thing, you know? (laughs) So just, just one more, just one more. Exactly. Just one more. And I think the black Bay 58, um, you know, it presents a good argument for that. It's like, I'm not saying it's the last one ever, but that, that watch ticks a lot of boxes. So, um, I think after that one, hopefully I'll be done for a bit, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah. We all say that famous last words. I know. Right. I bet you, you, you've been saying that for what, like 10 years now, something, something like that. Yeah. Nobody's counting. Well, that's a, that's a, a, the perennial issue, I think for a lot of us, many of us aspire to be one watch people. Um, a lot of us think about, you know, getting that exit watch and being done and it's just, it's hard to see, but I know at least one person who does this where they've got two or three core watches that are their, you know, nice special watches and they're, they mean a lot to them. And then they have another stable of maybe three or four things that they rotate through and they just understand that those three or four things. So let's say, you know, your permanent watches are a, you know, for me, let's say it might be my, uh, my Rolex Explorer. I've got that great vintage Speedmaster. Thank you again, by the way. I, I owe Jimmy for that personally. The, that was a great. Speedmaster to, I mean, that, that is the greatest Speedmaster of all time. So doesn't get any better. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good one. But like I could have conceivably those two and then just have a stable of watches that you rotate through. And I know somebody who does that where he he acquires, you know, one or two watches, keeps them for about three months and moves them. And it's a, a like a scheduled thing. And, you know, he uses that to fund the next thing. And he's got the two or three things that are permanent and the two or three things at any given time that are sort of fluid in the collection. And that's how he kind of find some balance and that's maybe that's a decent strategy i don't know yeah i i love that system and you know it sounds about as as rational as it can get you know for for a watch collector like for me um i think don't go go (laughs) using that word rational jimmy yeah right yeah it's like because how i think about it is when i'm fiending after a watch like it's like the thrill of the chase and then actually acquiring the watch is a completely separate feeling. Right. Right. Um, Right. And so it's like sometimes the, the thrill of the chase can obscure your ability to actually enjoy the watches that you have. Right. And, and so I think that that system of having like your core pieces that can't move um, and then you know, your pieces that could potentially move. I think maybe that's a good way to solve that problem. So maybe I'll, I'll try that for a bit. Wise beyond your years. Yeah, right. 
Sounds good. Well, maybe on that note, guys, we should wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. This has, be been, our- this has been fantastic, Jimmy. Thanks so much for spending time with us and um, you know sharing a little bit about your personal journey and, and some of your, your favorite things that you're doing right now. Dudes, thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time. And yeah, look forward to seeing you guys over at Feldmar soon. 100%. I miss seeing you guys. All right. Good night, Neverland. Thanks, Jimmy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>